It is with great sorrow that I write these lines. Sorrow for the people who live in the land that we call holy, Israel, Palestine. It's hard to imagine how Jerusalem, the city of peace, has been turned into a city of conflict. And this is not new. The conflict has been there since 1948, and there are no signs of it getting any better. Dreams of one nation where Jews and Arabs can coexist, I think were dashed decades ago. Dreams of two states living side by side are pretty much dashed by the fact that the West Bank is now getting filled with Jewish settlements. My Jewish friends tell me that the Jews need a country to call their own, and they need to be in charge of their own destiny. My Palestinian friends tell me the same. Palestinians need the same thing. My Jewish friends agree that Palestinians need the same thing. But how to get there? Shooting rockets at each other doesn't seem to work. All that does is ensure that the next generation will grow hating and resenting the other group. We must support organizations that provide aid to those in needs. We must do everything we can to educate ourselves about this conflict and not be afraid to talk about it. More importantly, we need to pray. We need to pray for Israel and Palestine. We need to pray for Jews and Arabs in Israel. We need to pray for the people of Gaza. It's hard to imagine that God doesn't care for this land more than we do. Still, we must pray. Pray for peace in this land that we call holy. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chen. And Billy, we're, everybody's very happy that you're back with us this week. Um, I am very happy to see you. You were very missed. You. you were missed last week. Yes, it's good to see you. Um, Pentecost, are you looking forward to the Holy Spirit? Yes. Uh, you know, after I watched, you know, in, in, a, in a weekend, I watched a movie called The Shack. The Shack, yes. On Netflix. Yes. And uh, uh, I saw the Holy Spirit. You know, they, yeah. they actually, it's really cute. You know, everyone, I, I yeah. really suggest everyone to watch the movie. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Maybe it's not like Catholic, Catholic, but the thing is, it's very, very interesting. It is an interesting I'm, movie. After that movie, I miss, I really want to see the Holy Spirit. I really want to see yeah. how the Holy Spirit work on me. Yes, I grew up. I grew up in the charismatic movement, so I grew up yeah. uh, very much, very comfortable praying to the Holy Spirit, asking for the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes people ask for God's grace, yes. and I think, well, what's the difference? Just ask for the Holy Spirit, like it's the same thing. Um, so I'm very, very comfortable with that, and I sometimes miss that because in my parish here now, um, that that's not such a North American, I think, uh, uh, tradition or expression. Like we pray to God, the father or pray to yeah. Jesus, my friend, but who prays to the Holy Spirit? You know what I really coming. like about the, the Holy Spirit in the, in the Bible yeah. is the, is exactly the Pentecost reading, which is the fire on your, yes. on your head. Yes. Uh, you know, I always, you know, every time when I read that reading in church, I always think that where is my fire? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I always think of that on Pentecost. I think I can imagine like the church. Yeah. Um, yes. One year. We actually had a big storm on Pentecost Sunday and like a storm, like wind and blowing and thunder yeah. and stuff. And I thought, oh, the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, that's all all really good. I hope people are uh, also getting excited about the Holy Spirit. Uh, not that the Holy Spirit only comes <laughs> at Pentecost. But anyway, um, Billy, I, I think that we need to remind people that they need to 
get in touch with us if they want to have comments if they want to share anything with us you can find billy at b joe chan on twitter um and i'm also on twitter facebook and instagram at the Pedro. and and i like email i'm old and old-fashioned so you can email me pedro at slmedia.org they are all good for communication yes all good anything and i respond to every single email people send me so do that um billy today danny torquia is going to be back marketing (laughs) <laughs> yes, he's going to be with his his new series, Rearing Rebels. So today he's mm-hmm. going to talk to us about something that they call gamification. Do you know what that is, Billy? So you make everything as a game? Well, uh, it, yes, <laughs> it has to do with video games, gaming. Um, uh, but I'm not going to say anymore. People are going to have to... I love to, games. I will, people, I will listen to it. People, people are going to have to stick around and find out what uh, Danny means by using gamification when you're uh, rearing your kids. So that's in about five minutes uh, right after our song. Um, and then, Billy, you will have a question uh, for dummies. Yes, it's a sad question, but yes, no, but is to prepare to have happiness. Okay. So that is the question. <laughs> okay, a sad question to prepare us to have happiness. All right, so that's in church for dummies in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so. Um, and then in our second half hour, Billy, okay, so here's my, my, my big question to you. Do you think that Muslims and Christians worship the same God? Yes. Oh, you were quick to answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I read a lot about the different uh, religion. I think uh, we are we're the roots of the same God. That's what I was taught, first of well, all. That, yeah. That's what I, I, I studied. That is what a lot of people are taught. Um, then you're going to want to listen to the interview that I'm doing in uh, in our second oh, half hour. Is that, is that, I say no. Well, we're going to. I'm, I'm not going to say. We're speaking with uh, Andy Bannister. Andy Bannister is a is an author that was in our program yeah. a few years ago. He wrote a book that was called "The Atheist That Didn't Exist," or "The Atheist That Doesn't Exist." I can't remember the title of the book. Okay. Um, which was fascinating uh, about how we need to speak to people who claim that they're atheists. And now Andy is back with a book uh, called Do Muslims and Christians Worship the Same God? Um, and in the book, he he an- tries to answer that question. Actually, I think he does a very good job at answering the question. And mm-hmm. he clarifies a few things. And I'm not going to say what the answer is. Oh, you're going to have to me. stick around. <laughs> um, but it's a very good question. So that's in about 25 minutes, a conversation with Andy Bannister about whether Christians and Muslims uh, worship the same God. Uh-huh. And then we have some new singer-songwriters. New singer, again. Again. I know. New? Isn't this great? <laughs> so, um, and can I say that for the rest of of the season until the end of yeah. June, every week we have a new singer songwriter who has never wow. been on the show before. So that's great. So this, this, uh, this week we are going to meet two, two new Catholic singer songwriters and worship leaders, right. uh, James, James Perkins and Ashley Dean. They call themselves onward and upward worship. I met, uh, do you remember that show, the game show that I did last summer? Uh, yes. Called Make a Joyful Noise. So it's Ashley, very funny. Yeah, Everyone should watch it. Yes, yes. So everybody <laughs> should go to SL Plus. And, and you uh, never invite me. I'm, 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 you're not a singer-songwriter. Oh, you are. Sorry. You are a singer-songwriter. I'll have to remember that for, for, the, for, the, for next next episode. Okay. Anyway, so I met Ashley Dean. She was one of the participants in, in that SL uh, TV game show, Make a Joyful Noise. Um, so then I found out that she 
sings as part of this group. Uh -huh. So I'm very excited to have her and her worship partner, James Perkins, wow. uh, joining us today on the show. So that's in about 40 minutes. Um, I hope that everybody will still be around for that. Um, and Billy, oh, it's a really good show. But if people are not around, Billy, what should they do? They should always go to anywhere you can find your podcast, like Google, Spotify, everywhere, and especially on our website, slmedia.org. That's it. You, you can find the show everywhere you get your podcast and at slmedia.org. Okay, so let's start with the song. Here's Onward and Upward Worship with Move My Mountains from their album, Sanctuary. Jesus, move my mountains, even when the mountain is me. Jesus, move my mountains, even when the mountain is me. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Savior, Messiah, send my captives free. Come That was Onward and Upward Worship with Move My Mountains from their album Sanctuary. And we're going to be speaking with James Perkins and Ashley Dean of Onward and Upward Worship in our second half hour. So I hope that you can stick around. Now it's time for Rearing Rebels with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Great to be with you. So gamification. Yeah, well, gamification in marketing circles, in boardrooms, um, comes up from time to time. And, you know, it's something I thought we could talk about because mm -hmm. 
a lot of people would have seen a couple of year, a year or so ago, the, the explosion of this documentary called The Social Dilemma, yeah. which, which touches a little bit on this, the, um, th- this area of gamification. Okay, so how, how would you define gamification? Well, gamification is, is taking uh, elements that you find in, uh, especially in, let's talk about, um, of course, you could find it in, in games that you play at home, like Monopoly or Trivial Pursuit, but, but really in, in the world of um, applications for, for telephones, smartphones, also in um, slot machines and in casinos, you know, it's basically in marketing terms, it's applying these um these behavioral activities you inc- you push on people you offer to people so that they they feel like they're leveling up that they've got a challenge that they're on a mission that they're competing uh it stimulates i don't know what in your body but but then applying it to to marketing which is you know of making a product or a service available and then getting people to really at the end of the day have their attention consumed by this one thing and eventually to spend time okay. and time and time. And as you know, it's a, it's a, it's a race for time. And then right, ultimately right. I see. So it's, it's more than just offering an incentive or rewards, although that can be part of it, but it's like, it does something to you so that you want to do the next level and then you want to do the next level. And that's how people end up spending like 16 hours playing, you know, uh, you know, whatever game they're playing or something. That's, that's what you mean. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at like the, the typical likes or how many people befriended okay. you or whatever yeah. it is, you know, you really, you're looking for that instant gratification okay. uh, and scoring and leveling up uh, it, it does have a role to play. And a simple example is, you know, orange theory fitness or fitness areas that give you that data immediately on how, how you've done on your metrics for your heart, for your, 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 your blood, right. you know, your activities in your body. And so it's, it's really engaging for the consumer. Okay. Okay. So is there a connection here with your rearing your rebels? Yeah. Well, well, first thing I want to say is watch. I recommend that parents watch the social dilemma because okay. as a PR person, um, and, I, and I want to say, I've seen a lot of PR people hit massive depression, hit massive mental health issues, because sometimes PR people are um, manip- used in a manipulative game uh-huh. to, to, to further someone else's agenda, which is not quite equitable or fair. Okay. Which is, which is what, what happens, I'd say, in, in unchecked consumerism. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen that. If someone wants to see what goes on in corporate America, corporate Canada, sometimes affecting PR people, sometimes affecting uh, marketing people, the social dilemma shows you the truth of what I've seen with my own eyes, which could be very ugly. I recommend it tremendously. Okay. So social dilemma and people can watch it on, Net- I think it's on Netflix, right? It is. And the trailer is readily available. It's really good yes, for, yes. for parents. Now, the first thing for parents is be aware that gamification uh, is going to get the upper hand over your kids. One of the messages the social dilemma leaves with, with the, read, the, 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 the viewer yeah. is that kids or we with our intellect, even though we're smart and can be very smart, we, we, we ha- it's no competition. The, game, the, the gamification scientists, the persuasive communication experts have this to a science and it's hard to beat them. So uh-huh. they will get us hooked, whether it's through an application, whether it's through um, ads that lead to pornography, um, they're going to get us eight times out of 10 because there's so much science behind it. It's very right. important. Yeah. Okay. At, at home, I don't know what to tell you, Deacon Pedro. I try to fight fire with fire and use this talent. 
so for example, but, it, but I'm not sure I'm as sophisticated as an app, app developer or, or these experts, but mm-hmm. for example, at home with our kids, when it comes to rewarding positive behavior, we used to have a chart uh, not so long ago where we would put in, you know, respecting, demonstrating respect to the 10 commandments or uh, making sure you're uh, forgiving of your brother or sister or making sure you're kind, using kind words. Yeah. Or making sure you're taking 10 minutes to read the gospel or read a Bible story. Yeah. It was on the chart as well as brushing your teeth, doing your bed, mm-hmm. your homework. Yeah. And yeah. Give them prizing. Yeah. It was a very simple example. Right. Yeah. So but, that's incentives or rewards. Yeah. Yeah. Another one though is, you know, out of the blue, sometimes I go into trivia, uh, religious education trivia, and it sounds dorky maybe, but my kids <laughs> like all of a sudden daddy switches to asking about the, give me other names for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then you know the word paraclete or advocate. Yes. yes. That's funny. And, and it's funny, right? And then sometimes we'll say, you know, give me three out of the 10 commandments. And the other one that's uh, interesting is with the pandemic, we've been, you know, confined a lot. And, and so a lot of times we're doing liturgy of the word at home. Mm-hmm. Well, I got, I got into the habit of mimicking, celebrating a mass with the kids. And then one kid wants to be the bishop and we, he uses my, my dad's cane. And then <laughs> another child is going to be the like visiting cardinal and he wears yeah. or she wears red. Yeah. And, and we have roles. And then when we go into the choir, uh, you know, my wife really doesn't like it because it's a cacophony of sounds. But the kids, we get in and we belt out the best hallelujah and we pick which hallelujah we like. <laughs> and it's, it's not pretty. Uh, it can be rambunctious, but it's, it's actually part of theater, I guess. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's play acting. Yeah. Little, play acting. They yeah. like it. It's what you were saying a few weeks ago, I think, about just having that kind of culture, that it's that Catholic culture. It's just stuff that you do. You play. I remember playing mass when I was growing up. I think a lot of Catholic kids do because that's just part of what, what we do. So why not play? Um, you just made me think in the little time that we have left that I think that the biggest reward, if I can use that word, or the biggest incentive that gives children that rush that I think can enforce positive behavior is just that one on one time that you're spending with you, with, with them. So like, right. So it's like, maybe that's, maybe they, I mean, maybe they like the trivia, but maybe they just like the fact that daddy is giving them extra attention and spending time with them. And, and maybe that's, I hate to simplify it, but maybe that's all we need to do as parents, right. That's gamifying, um, you know, kids want to spend time with their parents and they want to feel like their parents care about them and they'll feel like their parents, um, want to spend time with them. Right. And you know what? And, and we can't always just ask, you know, how school, how's little, how's your neighbor doing Mateo? Yeah. How, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's good to change it up. And, and faith is so it's gotta be linked to our day to day that you might as well find fun activities, kind of like trigger pursuit or theater time. Yeah, I like that. I like that. These things work, but, but beware for, for gamification and the persuasive communication sciences into your homes through these apps just like gambling later on in poker and poker stars and all that. And porn- yes. Pornography. yes. Okay, good. Social Dilemma on Netflix. There you go. Um, thank you, Danny. This has been interesting uh, and, and useful information today. Thank you very much. I'm going to put a post on my blog soon about that. All right. Real good. So, so that's uh, Danny Torkia, our public relations expert. He's the managing director of Torkia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torkia. And uh, yeah, check his blog at dialogueandgrace.com. Hey everybody, it's Hannah Schaefer and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. 
I'm Deacon Pedro. You can send me an email, pedro at slmedia.org to let me know what you think of the show. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan, who has a sad question that's going to lead us to happiness. Yes, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, I said that I watched the Shaq okay. uh, movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's talking about uh, um, a very sad uh, tragedy mm-hmm. uh, that uh, um, the, the father cannot, I mean, the, the person, the father, cannot forgive himself and God. He actually angry with God. Yeah. In the movie, actually, encounter, he met God in a dream. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. But yes. anyway, you know, a lot of us actually experience a lot of different like suffering, uh, accident and things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes people will blame God about that. And yes. sometimes we will angry with it because why God? Why did you do it on me? Why me? Those kind of questions, I think it's boring as well mm-hmm. because a lot of people are asking this question. But the thing is this, um, how can we, you know, when, what, what we should do actually when we, we want to blame God and we, we are angry with God. Uh, you know, in the, in the movie, the, the, the main character is very lucky yes. to encounter God yes. himself. But I don't think we can do it. Uh, not many people can have this kind of. No, you're time, right. And, right. And, yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a big question, uh, but I, I agree with you. It's a question that a lot of people have and that a lot of people have had it you know, over the, that's what the book of Job is about in the Bible. Um, yeah. Although Job never expresses anger at God. Um, so I think that you're asking, you're actually asking two questions. So you're talking about forgiveness and you're also talking about um, why bad things happen. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Right. So it's sort of two questions. I'm going to, I think I'm going to start with the second one. Cause even though it's the harder question, um, it's an, it's an easier it's a harder question, but it's an easier answer. And, and, and the reality is that we don't know. All we know <laughs> is that, no, but we know that God is love. God is goodness. God is beauty. God is justice. Perfect. God is mercy, right? Mm-hmm. God is perfect. So why does God allow bad things to happen? We don't know, but we know that God is love. Now, we do know that we have free will. So some bad mm-hmm. things happen because people have free will and because of sin. Uh, uh, why God allows bad things to happen I, I, because God, God's love does not uh, permit him to mess with our free will. Although I actually think that God probably does interfere more than we think, because I think that if God didn't interfere, there would be so many more bad things happening. So I, I I, I sometimes wonder about that. Yeah. Again, it's the big picture that we can never understand. Just like, you know, in our work, you know, our daily job, sometimes when we get married, I mean, I mean, I mean, when we get mad, Yes. Why is that married? Well, I don't <laughs> when know. I get, <laughs> when I get uh, mad, you know, it's all maybe it's all because of we do not know the big picture. Yes, exactly. Now, um, some things, uh, uh, some 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 suffering is caused that is not caused by sin. You know, there's a, a flood or an earthquake or something. We don't we don't know. That seems to be part of part of the re- reality. The nature. Um, but, but we also know that, so sin is because we have a fallen nature and we don't believe that just human beings have a fallen nature. The whole creation has a fallen nature. So maybe that is, there's something at work there. What we do know is that God suffers with us. And that I think is different from any other faiths. We believe in a God who suffers with us, 
who who walks with us, who who suffered, who died. I mean, God suffered more than you know you and I probably will ever suffer. So I I know that that might not be comforting for some people, um, but but, yeah, but, uh, but you know what what must we do when we have this kind of feeling like yeah um i think that it's good to talk about it i think it's okay to be angry with god god can handle it you can be angry with god um <laughs> you, you can yell at god you can you know throw things at god um i think that's okay be angry if you need to be anger anger can be a good thing um um but i think that most of the time i don't know i'm not a psychologist but i would think that most of the time that we're angry with god is because we're actually angry with ourselves and what we mm. need to do is forgive ourselves. That's the hardest thing that, that, uh, you know, that father in, in the movie, the shack or in the book, mm. if people have read the book, he's angry at himself because he was not able to protect his daughter. Yeah. You know, like he's not to blame. And you could tell him many times that he's not, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Everyone he, said this in the movie, but he's, he's the father. He's one. always going to feel like he was not a father. He would not, he did not protect. So he needs to forgive himself. And in fact, when he forgives himself, then he's able to, I think that God, God, the son and the Holy spirit in the movie are actually helping him to forgive himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, then you can forgive God. Um, uh, Billy, I think that this is, this might be a good topic to, to bring back, uh, and we can talk more about forgiveness uh, yeah. as well, because that's a, a topic that I think a lot of people don't really understand what it means to forgive. And also a lot of people do not know how to do it. Exactly. So so why don't we, we talk about forgiveness next week? And maybe that's an opportunity between now and, and two weeks from now when you're back, Billy, that we can uh, listen, uh, hear from some of our listeners if they have yeah. experiences on how to forgive or or suggestions on how people can forgive. So write to us, if, so even though if us, you are please. angry with God, write to us. Write to us, yes. Thank you, Billy. That's a very good question. Billy Chan, uh, our, uh, our expert in asking difficult questions here for Church <laughs> for Dummies. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up in our second half hour, do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? And we meet James Perkins and Ashley Dean of Onward and Upward Worship, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, we've all been told that the three Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, that we all believe in the same God. We all believe in one God. The Quran includes many of the same stories that are in the Bible. I think that many Muslims would say that they worship the God of Abraham, the God of Ishmael, and the God of Isaac. But do we have the same understanding of that God? Are we just saying that we worship the same God in an attempt to overcome religious divisions? These are the very questions that Andy Bannister addresses in his new book, Do Muslims and Christians Worship the Same God? And to tell us more, I am now joined by Andy Bannister from his home in Scotland. Andy, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Pedro, it's great uh, to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No, it's good. And I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I, I told you earlier that when I heard you had written the book, because it's a topic that, that I've thought about many, you know, a lot. Um, let me ask you first, why, why do you think we need this book? 
Mm. Well, the backstory, it very simply, is I think we need the book because so many people assume that the answer is yes, as you said in your in your intro. I certainly did. When I was a young Christian, I had yeah. Muslim friends. I assumed, oh, they believe in one God. I believe in one God. Must mm. be the same. And then as I sort of stumbled in my late 20s into studying Islam academically, I'm an unusual Christian. My PhD is in Islamic studies. And mm. I began actually reading the Quran and digging deeply into it and dialoguing with many Muslims. I was like, actually, this is very, very different. And, uh, and that led me to the conclusion, actually, the Quran's view of God is very, very different to the Bible's. And so I felt there was actually a need uh, to just get people thinking about the question, what do we mean when we say God? That's the big takeaway from the book. Right. I think, and, Peter, is and, that people use the word God and don't unpack what they mean by it. Right. And, and, I, and I thought, I mean, that is what the book is about, but, I, but you chose to ask, to go, go about it in a particular way by asking four questions. Okay, so, so can you just take us through what those questions are? Maybe don't give us the answers, but, but tell us what the yeah, questions yeah. are um, and why those questions are the ones that we need to be asking. Exactly. So the four questions I introduced in the book are, um, is there a God? And uh, if so, what is God like? Um, who are human beings? Well, you know, what does it mean to be a human being? What's gone wrong with the world? And what's the solution? And I say, by the way, those are great questions for dialoguing with anybody of a different faith. If you're yeah. a, a Christian talking to an atheist or a Buddhist or a Hindu, great questions. But with our Muslim friends, really good questions to just dig into what we each believe. And uh, the answer is that Muslims and Christians believe very different things around those questions. So not just who is God, but for example, a question like what is wrong with the world? Mm. Maybe without giving too much away, what are some key differences that you found? And why is that question so important in, in pointing to who God is? Yeah, well, basically, I would say the, the, the second, third and fourth questions flow out of the first one, because uh -huh. depending on who God is, that affects, well, what does it mean when God creates human beings? Does he just create robots? Or does okay. he create people who are in his image? And in terms of what's gone wrong, it's a, there's a massive issue here, isn't there, around, you know, is it simply that human beings are a little bit forgetful and with a, you know, with a bit of help from God, perhaps a few moral commandments tossed our way, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and everything be okay? Or is it actually more drastic? Is there something actually deeper wrong with us such that it might need something like, like Jesus uh, to deal with it? And the analogy I use in the book, right, if you go to your, your doctor and your doctor says, you know, those stomach pains you have, Pedro, they're actually really serious. That's actually stomach cancer you've got. Mm -hmm. And you take it and you go, oh, I want a second opinion. And you take a second opinion and the other doctor says, no, nah, you know, it's just acid reflux. It's actually quite important you discover which diagnosis is right, yeah. because one is ultimately going to kill you. The other is just a slight inconvenience. And I think yeah. the same is true spiritually. And I say I would say Islam has a very superficial understanding of what's gone wrong christianity has a very radical diagnosis of what's gone wrong and then a radical solution is it possible that with those differences mm -hmm. that we could still say that we worship the same god we just have a different understanding of who that god is yeah i mean i would say one of the things i explore in the book right at the, in the beginning is Look, there are different ways of thinking about difference, right? I use an analogy in the book of, you know, uh, take a, take the actor Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, I think he's the worst thing ever to come out of Hollywood. I think he's useless, completely wooden. My wife thinks he's fantastic. You yeah. hear us talk about him. You might think we were talking about different actors, but we have 
different. We actually have the different views of the same actor. On the other hand, let's imagine that you and I, as we talk, discover we both have got a friend who lives in downtown Toronto called Steve, mm -hmm. and we become convinced he's the same person initially. But then mm -hmm. as we describe Steve, I say my friend Steve is six foot, your friend Steve is five foot. My friend loves the maple leaves, your friend can't abide them. Um, you know, my friend is kind and generous, yours is a bit of a bully. And the list goes on and on. How big do the differences have to become before we have to recognize this is not just a minor disagreement, but we are actually talking about somebody different. And what I think is going on as you read the Quran's description of God and the Bible's description of God, those differences stack up. And without going to huge detail, Peter, in the book, I say the Bible, I think, has a number of key attributes for God. God is relational. God can be known. God is holy. God is love and God has suffered in the person of Christ and the cross mm -hmm. to, to put right what's gone wrong with us. The Quran takes those five characteristics and denies them, rejects them or throws them out the window entirely and replaces them with other ones that are not just slightly different, but are radically different. I mean, the question, for example, of whether or not God is love, that's pretty profound. It's the heart of the identity yeah. of the God of the Bible, the God of the Quran, the Bible, the Quran would have no, no time for that idea. Right. And just to be sure, so we, what you're saying is that that all these distinctions point to the fact that we are actually talking about two different gods, as opposed to the fact that maybe Muslims just have the wrong understanding of who God is. I think there comes a point where it looks like I think that is that is going on. And what I would what I would also say in the book, and I mean, this is quite important, actually, that I also say you do meet Muslims who are certainly closer, I think, to the. Mm -hmm you know, to the God of the Bible. I've met many Muslims across the years who've said to me, you know, well, actually, Andy, I believe in a God of love. Yeah. And rather than say to them, oh, no, that's not the God of the Quran. I found it quite helpful to say, you know what? You're right. God is a God of love. Yeah. Well, the yeah. God you're describing to me sounds more like the God of the Bible. You know, come on home. And for a model of that in action, actually, Peter, I'd send people in the in the Bible. If you look at Acts 17, where mm -hmm. Paul is there in Athens and he wanders around, he sees all yes. the idols and the statues. And he sees the altar to the unknown God. The unknown and God. rather than go, oh, you stupid Athenians, what are you doing? He's like, oh, an unknown God. Let me tell you who that is. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can use that approach with Muslims, yeah. that rather than affirm that the Quran is the same, we can go, come on, come on home to the God who, uh, the God who is there for you and has revealed himself in Christ. Yeah. One, one question that I kept thinking about, and maybe this is not fair to ask you because you're, you're, a, 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 you studied Islam, not Judaism, but could we not make the same claim about mm. Judah? I think that there are some similarities, but there also yeah. would be some distinctions in how the Jewish people see God. Yet. I think we would agree that it is the same God. Yes. It's just that. Yeah. Brilliant question. Absolutely. Brilliant question. Two things on that very briefly. Firstly, of course, remember that most of the first Christians were, were Jewish. So, yes. you know, Paul, who wrote a large chunk of the New Testament, mm -hmm. he was a Jew mm -hmm. um, and then became a follower of Christ. And so there's this continuity between Judaism mm -hmm. and Christianity. The Quran, although, as you said in your intro, although it uses similar stories uh, from the Bible, most of the more recent scholarship that's been done critically on the Quran would say that what Muhammad, the founder of Islam, did is he kind of picked up these bits mm -hmm. of tradition and then built something new mm -hmm. out of them. A bit like, a, you know, my son loves playing with Lego bricks and he will, you know, build a castle, knock it to pieces and then build a rocket ship. There is no right. continuity between the rocket and the castle. Mm -hmm. He just mm -hmm. uses the same pieces. Mm -hmm. And that's going on with uh, with Islam. But what I would say with, with Judaism, a very sloppy answer that Christians sometimes give here is, well, of course, Muslims don't worship the same God because they don't believe that Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. And I always push back and I do in the book actually push back hard on that and say, 
for that reason that you say that's unfair on our Jewish friends. Our Jewish friends don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe Jesus was God, mm -hmm. but they are clearly worshiping the same God. However, they do believe that God is love. They do believe God is relational. They do believe God can be known and so on. And what I do in the book quite deliberately is take most of my scriptures. Mm -hmm. I actually take from the Old Testament, the Old Testament. Yeah, for yeah. this reason. And then in the, in the penultimate chapter, I show that all of those themes, God is love, God is relational and so on. They all culminate in Jesus because as Christians, we believe that Jesus was the was the supreme revelation, the self-revelation mm -hmm. of God. But it wasn't a new revelation. It wasn't God. Show, Jesus shows up and the and the disciples are all, well, this is different to the Old Testament. Rather, right. they're like, oh, it's this makes sense of yep. everything that we've seen. Yes. Um, exactly. And that means we don't disenfranchise our Jewish friends because you're right. That is so important. We don't yeah. do that. All right. Well, good. Thank you. We're going to leave it there. But uh, it's it's a great book for our listeners. If, if you ever wondered <laughs> what some of those differences would be, or you ever asked these questions, this That's is the book, book to get. Uh, Do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? There you go. Andy, thank you so much for writing the book, for the work that you do, and uh, for telling us about it today. Thank you very much. It's been a real privilege to be with you today. Thank you. God bless. Andy Bannister is the director of the Solus Center for Public Christianity in Scotland. He is a teacher, a speaker, and the author of various books and publications, including The Atheist Who Didn't Exist. His latest book is Do Muslims and Christians Worship the Same God? You can find out how to get it at his website, andybannister.net, and also at solus.cpc.org. And if you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to it again, visit us at slmedia.org. Here now is Onward and Upward Worship with Even Still from their album, Sanctuary. Falling from my Led by sin from child Chained to my body, my soul is cast aside. Even still, you came for me. Savior killed by shame.
That was Onward and Upward Worship with Even Still from their album Sanctuary. Now, last summer, I had the chance to meet Ashley Dean, a singer-songwriter and worship leader from Atlanta, and I was pleased to learn that she was part of a project called Onward and Upward Worship, a group that she formed with her worship partner, James Perkins. And as we've been listening, their music is rooted in that acoustic style of worship that is so conducive to creating a prayerful space in any retreat, conference, or even a concert. And so I'm very happy to have James Perkins and Ashley Dean joining us now. Uh, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, guys. It's good to see you. Hey, thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah. Good to see you again, Ashley. Um, so how did you guys, I'm curious, how did you guys begin doing music together? It was your idea, Ash. Oh, well, well, originally, originally was back in high school. But, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so you were in high school together. Yeah. Well, well yeah. so me and my wife are high school sweethearts. And I met Ashley through my wife, Maggie. Okay. Uh, so we've, we've been doing worship together since we were 16, 17 years old. Oh, yeah. Um, over at St. Mm -hmm. Anne's in Marietta. And, you know, we were having shows yeah. and coffee houses and no one came. No it one, was just no us. <laughs> It was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, we reconnected after college. Um, actually yeah. I was up in St. Louis and she called me one day and was like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could have like a worship band and just kind of like laid out this vision that had been, uh, in prayer. And I had been having the same kind of thoughts. And I think within a couple of months, we had both moved back to Atlanta within a month same, of each at other. The same time. Yeah. For, for different job offers that I mean, I turned my job down. Yeah. Times. So finally we <laughs> just, were, we were in yeah. the same city. And so we were like, Hey, let's make this thing a reality. Okay, cool. Okay. So let me back up. So it, it was a Catholic high school that you went to. We went to different no. schools. Yeah, okay. We different oh, so you weren't, okay. Yeah. Right. His wife uh, is my best friend from, you know, from fifth grade onward. Okay. Uh, I understand. So I he met her when she, so we were in the same youth group together yeah, okay. and she went to a different youth group to go to Steubenville and that's where <laughs> okay. they met. All right. And she brought him to, to our youth group. So it's it all around a youth group. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I understand. I understand. And so I'm assuming that you both were Catholic. You grew up Catholic. You were sort of mm -hmm. part of a youth group. You never had yeah. sort of that. You know, okay, and and I heard Steubenville's there somewhere. So did you both? No, you didn't both go to Steubenville. You went to Steubenville, Ashley, didn't you? Um, for uh, I mean, back then I I had never gone. You, you went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh. I went to Steubenville. Uh, oh, this was sorry. This one we went as attendees. Yeah. Well, as <laughs> yeah. a student, like you went to yeah. Francis yeah. University, James. No, no, no. no. Oh, so when, when so we were, oh, sorry. I forget. <laughs> you're good. You're good. When we were high, when we were high school students, our youth groups went to the Steubenville Atlanta oh, conference okay, over the summer. And uh, I understand. Okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Okay, okay. So you 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 reconnect. You you have this idea that comes to you in prayer. Let's do music together. Were you thinking? I, I guess Ashley, were you thinking that it would be like? Let's just. Wouldn't it be fun to do? like lead worship together and sort of do that, do retreats? Or were you thinking of recording? 
I mean, yes. Well, I think you have recording. I mean, we at least, I know that for me, I was writing, I was trying to write along with a song Sanctuary actually. And so that was the first yeah. song we started writing over Skype. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the whole big thing, the whole thing that we're doing currently even of just um, writing music of, of um, leading music at events and everything like that of just, engaging people in worship and and what we what we did at our coffee houses back in the day um but kind yeah. of just at a different level and um uh, but better. with that same freedom but better of, yeah but better you know better. <laughs> Much a little better. Better. after music school <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. tell me tell me a little bit about that that writing music through skype i mean whether you do that now or, or not how how do you collect like how do you write together is it usually one of you does lyrics and music or is it how, how does that collaboration work yeah, so we kind of have a system down now that we've yeah, been okay. doing this for yeah. three, four, five years. Gosh, yeah. Long five years. As, as onward and upward anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, normally, I kind of have uh, the first idea, um, whether it be uh, lyrics or the actual music first. It kind of depends on the song. Um, but I'll have a general theme that I am working on. And then I normally just get to kind of a stopping point of my own ability. And I'm like, I got to get Ashley's eyes and ears on this. And so I bring it over to Ashley and I'm like, hey, I know this has good bones, but right now it kind of stinks. So can you, <laughs> what can we do about it? And so what she'll do is she'll whip out the Bible. She'll whip out her own prayer journal. And then sure enough, nine times out of 10, there's something going on in her life in her own prayer life and her own music that she's mm-hmm, been writing. Mm-hmm. And it fits exactly with that theme. And then we have a complete song all together. Yeah. And so it's just kind of about digging, digging up in our own prayer lives. What is, what is the Lord doing and what is the spirit kind of trying to say? And then, you know, we put the two halves together and it makes a whole picture. Yeah. So, so the three, well, the two songs that we heard already and the third song that we're going to hear later, those those were sort of written that way. Exactly. We wrote a mass setting. We did. Was it the same process there? Like what it made you think, oh, we need a mass setting. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, but it also went back to kind of the first time we were writing because we wrote the whole thing over quarantine. So oh, wow. we were all of a sudden we were writing over FaceTime and Skype again, just like we were when we first started because yeah. we couldn't be in the same room together. Mm-hmm. But I had a uh, kind of a theme in my head for what the Gloria should sound like that I've been working on for a couple of years. And with, you know, several months in quarantine, I was like, look, we've got some time. Let's actually... Um, get it together and write it out. So we paired up with um, Matt Lewis, who's an amazing composer and arranger. And uh, he just like really helped us bring the vision to life. And it took several months and a lot of reiterations, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. but it's called the massive ascent and uh, it's available through liturgy resources. Mm -hmm. It's out. Yeah. Yeah. Through Novum. Yeah. Through Novum uh, publishing and liturgy resources. Uh, Yeah. That that's great. Um, why onward and upward? Where does that name come from? <laughs> Sounds like it's I always feel, I hear that and I think that we're going sailing or something. <laughs> I feel like you should. Uh, kind of. So our initial idea um, when trying to name our ministry, we had been leading worship at several events and we were um, at the point where we were, we were gaining a little bit of notoriety and making a little bit of money. And so we wanted to uh, make it a business, make it an actual ministry that we could um, put a branding to and and have people associate with us. And so our initial idea, just Ashley and James, you know, yeah, it's, so like, yeah. it's like, we need a little something that's like, Oh, that's, that's yeah. them who's coming. And there's, and there's, other, like... there's other people involved with Onward and Upward. It's not just us. Yeah, we have, yeah. we have yes. our band. We have, and that was the big idea. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. so the, the idea was using Frasati's motto of to the heights 
uh-huh. um, as kind of like we want to take people higher and lift and lift up, um, you know, people's minds and hearts to God. And so to the heights was already taken. <laughs> so we yeah. were like, well, what's another kind of phrase that means that? And we're both big Narnia fans. And I was like, well, in Narnia, yeah. they talk about um, onward and upward to Narnia in the north. And I yeah. was like, well, let's let's try that out. And, yeah. it, you know, it's kind of a two word phrase. And we're two people. And so people, especially teenagers, they ask <laughs> us all the time, who's onward, and who's upward. Oh, that's, you should have T-shirts made. I know, yeah, yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've decided that Ashley is onward and I am oh, upward. Mm-hmm. I'm taller. He's taller. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then over the, only recently though, over, a couple of summers ago, a kid pointed out that um, onward and upward form a cross oh, in directions. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, cool, oh, awesome, nice. Okay. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but it ends up right. working That's exactly what you had in mind when you came up with that name, right? Yeah, That's totally. Exactly it. Okay. So, so you guys are working, you're hoping to record a new album and that's going to be recorded live uh, in October. Tell us quickly about that and see if some of our listeners might are in the area. They could uh, maybe. Yeah. So we're we're going to be up in Athens, Georgia in October, October 23rd. And we are recording a live album. We've got a special batch of songs that um, are very much more geared toward worship um, as opposed to liturgy or just kind of, you know, uh, listening on the radio. And we decided that, you know, these songs, instead of trying to go into the studio and put a bunch of production into songs, that is not a song's final form. The final form of a song is when you actually play it with people in the context of worship. So let's capture that and share that with our community and and people in our sphere of influence and really show them the, the beauty that these songs can do and what the Lord and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life specifically. And so it's going to be a ticketed event on October 23rd at Tweed Recording in Athens. We'll be posting it all over everything. We'll have a big social media campaign about it. Yeah, and, uh, good. More details are to come. Excellent. Yeah. So October 23rd, I'm sure that a lot of people can come out by then. Uh, you guys are pretty much open now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. October 23rd. So a lot of that information will be on your website and social media soon. That That's very cool. Maybe, maybe I can go to Georgia. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> Anyway, guys, it's been really good meeting you, uh, um, meeting you, James, seeing you again, Ashley, and and learning about what you do. Um, and I'm looking forward to that to that new album. Maybe that's another excuse to have you guys come back on the program and we can listen to some more of your music. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm happy to do Love it. To be there. All right. We'll take care, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, you so you. much. Onward and Upward Worship is James Perkins and Ashley Dean. You can find all about them at their website, onwardandupwardworship.com. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now to take us out is Onward and Upward Worship with Proclaim from their album Sanctuary. Dark and formless, you made it whole. Earth was empty, you made it full. All things great and small belong to you. Cry
cry out. Canyons run dry, waters rush in, and bring new life. We're listening to Onward and Upward Worship with Proclaim from their album Sanctuary. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And you can also reach me via email, pedro at slmedia.org. I love to hear your comments and messages, and I respond to every single email that I receive. Also remember that you can listen to every single Salt and Light Hour episode on our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. But you can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we'll be speaking with Professor Josephine Lombardi about her new documentary, The First Lady and Her Successors. And by First Lady, she means Mary. The film features nine dynamic women of faith who are following in the footsteps of Mary of Nazareth. We will also meet singer-songwriter Molly Marrow, so you don't want to miss next week's show. Thank you for being with us today. May you receive an extra dose of the Holy Spirit this Pentecost weekend. Remember to pray for the Holy Land. And remember to take care of yourselves and take care of each other and also pray for each other. I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. All creatures of our God and King Lift up your voices with us sing Oh praise Him Alleluia